one second, y'all. let's get started thank you all so much wait one second i have to have to do this here recording in progress thank you all so much for joining me tonight i before i begin i need to pray okay father god we just come boldly before your your throne of grace we thank you so much for being a part of our life full time god we ask that you just please allow your word to resonate in our hearts allow us to Take the information that you're giving us and to utilize it in our own lives or utilize it in a way where we can help other people that may need it. Let us use this information, all the information that you give us, God, each and every seed that you have planted in our hearts and in our minds. God, each and every thing that you have water and in our lives, in our hearts and minds, God, allow us to take that information and utilize it. Allow us to utilize it and maximize it in the lives of the people that we know and the, the people that are around us, God. So let us use the information, not just let it waste away. Um, so, God, we just thank you right now for giving us your word. We appreciate everything that you're doing for us. And we thank you right now that your will be done in our life. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Oh, and also, God, I would like to say that... Um, Please fill us up with the Holy Spirit. Uh, allow us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And also, God, thank you for giving me access to the Holy Spirit and giving, uh, giving us all access to you, Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for filling me up. I just pray that you allow me to speak the word today. Don't let me forget anything. Let, let me um, be able to speak about everything that I need to talk about. Let me not forget nothing. And... Um, let me be able to plant and water seeds in the lives of people that are listening. And God, I just pray that you water the seeds in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is said in your blood. Amen. All right. Thank you all so much for joining me tonight. Um, so I'm just going to get right to it. I am talking about women's health. But um, the main discussion for tonight is going to be entitlement. And so I was talking about modern women that's entitled. And also I'm going to be talking about, um, hopefully I can get into self-care practices. But if not, I'll, um, I'll try to, I'll let you all know. Okay. All right, here we go. So let's go ahead and um, let me share my screen. Oh, and if you all have any questions, please go ahead. If you are uh, joining me via Zoom webinar, put your questions here in the Q&A and I'll be sure to respond to them there. If not, um, you can just send them over if you're joining me on the audio app any of the iHeart or Spotify, Apple or Podbeam, please go ahead and put your questions there and I can respond to you there. 
All right, let me go ahead and share my screen. And also, if you're saying anything to me and I don't see you, just go ahead and raise your hand and I'll be able to respond to you, okay? All right, let me get started. Okay. Okay, here we go. So I wanted to start off with a um, scripture. And so um, here is the scripture. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So this is so important to understand that outwardly, you know, it may appear a certain way, but inwardly, when you're when you're transforming your mind and allowing God to come into your heart and into your life, your life is going to be changed inwardly. So all of those things inwardly is going to be perfected within you because guess what? God is maturing you. And we all know that the word perfect means to be mature. So it doesn't mean without flaw. So the Hebrew word for perfect, it means, thank you for the love. I appreciate it. So the Hebrew word for perfect is Tim. It is Strong's number. Um, let me let me pull that up. Let me just pull this up. Talk about this for a second. So the, the Hebrew word perfect means, Tim, it is Strong's number, A535. It means to be mature in thought and action. So when I mention the word perfect, I'm not talking about without flaw. What I'm saying is you are mature in, in, in thought, in nature, and in, in thought. So that's what it means. And so God wants us to know that whatever is going on in life, because some people feel so entitled they feel entitled for everything in life, not just in a relationship, but they also feel entitled to, you know, um, everything, you know. Um, but before I really get into that, let me go ahead now and get to the video. So yesterday, yesterday we left off at um, seven minutes and 46 seconds. Let's see. Yes, well, not yesterday. That was Tuesday. We left off at 7 minutes and 46 seconds on the entitlement mentality of modern women. And so what we had noticed is a lot of women just sort of feel entitled, even with the other video of the guy um, answering the questions in, in a crowd of um, a bunch of women where the lady had asked, well, if she's been dating a guy for four or five months, should she be allowed to you know tell him that it's basically he should pay you know or should she should she have to tell him to pay you know or should she start paying on her own after four or five months and so his immediate response was look you know if if you don't offer to pay your half on the first date then that means you was raised incorrectly so if the the man doesn't offer to pay his half on the first date it's like he was raised incorrectly so I want to talk about Christian dating. So it'll be a foolish ideology to think that Christians and believers in God don't date. Yes, we do date, right? But we do have a lot of stipulations in dating, meaning that we don't fornicate. 
We are not trying to do things that will defile our body. So defiling your body is when you're um, giving into fornication. Fornication is having sex when you're not married. And so doing those type of things and that activity, that's considered fornication. And you defiling your body um, in a way where it's not feasible. It's not pleasing to God to do that. So our body is the temple. And the way we honor God is through our body. And so we have to, you know, like basically we have to respect our bodies in a way where we're giving God glory, okay, and not doing things that will displease God. So if God tell us, well, don't, you know, don't fornicate and then you out here fornicating, what does that do? That's displeasing to God. It's like God is telling you that you're strong enough not to do it. So why are you doing it? And so um, when we think about this, we, we think about how so many women, they feel entitled in a relationship. They feel entitled in a way where the man, man should be doing this and the man should be doing that. And so I had talked about, I believe on a previous podcast, like some of the richest women in the world, um, the richest women in the world still are submissive. So um, I wanted to talk about that, even though I hadn't talked about it um, on this podcast. Um, so let me, I'll, I'll pull that up, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. I'm going to play this video because I wanted to start out at this video. Um, so. That scripture was 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. I'm going to keep going back and forth with this scripture and um, talk about some other things. So I have a couple of videos to show. So here we go. Here we go. Here. I didn't say oh, so this is the entitlement mentality of modern women. The video that I played on Tuesday, I'm just starting off exactly where we left off. 7 minutes and 46 seconds. And um, I believe that they're going to transition this conversation into Jeff Bezos' wife. Um, so Jeff Bezos is the owner of Amazon. Um, he, they, him and his wife had divorced. And so they're going to be talking about them. But I, I wanted to make a reflection after that. So um, they did. Oh, that was super fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's always a lot. Um, okay. So today we're going to talk about. Jeff Bezos's ex-wife. So, do you, everyone know who Jeff Bezos is? Hmm? Auntie, you don't. Amazon guy. Amazon. Okay. Owner of Amazon. It's like one of the so he's one of the richest. Yeah. He's one of the richest men on the planet. Um, and so about a couple years ago, it came out that he was cheating on his wife at the time, and his wife was there from the beginning. So she was like they've been together I don't know like twenty years something like that, and she divorced him took half the money, and got remarried. And at the time, everyone was saying, oh, it was so sweet. She married a teacher. And it all seemed like, you know, she got the fairy tale ending. However, she is now divorcing her second husband. <laughs> <laughs> so knowing that women typically don't do well um, when they date someone that's, like, less than their, their ex in their head, should she have stayed with Jeff, knowing that she can't do better? I, I guess she wouldn't have known. What? Bill Gates, he get divorced as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess she wouldn't have known she can't do better until she 
Yeah, but you don't know. Because you know, a billionaire. You know, people, you know, people think you know the grass is greener, and if you're in that circle, like you're, I guess you're what you're. That, like the people you you got accessible to you now are different. You're in a different ball game. Like when, you know, when you date a celebrity, I am now in this world. I've got access to other billionaires, I guess. So she wouldn't have known she couldn't do better when she's already in that world. That's what, what she a teacher. Like, a bit. Like, I mean, well, she knows that now. But she probably thought she probably thought it's better yeah. for her to date. Let so her. Why? why did they? Why did they split up? Because he cheated. She, the teacher cheated. No, well, I don't know why. No, they them two. Because he cheated. He cheated. He cheated. And that's why she left him. Yeah, yeah. Full. So not because. No, well, she why? Wanted half why? Of his fortune. But she's incentivized to. She became the richest woman in the world just for divorcing him. But wait, honestly, such a bad thing. One at guys, one at one at a time. Auntie, go ahead. He cheated. Did they say that he was cheating? He stepped out. I don't know, maybe she weren't giving him no sex. But she could have forgiven him. Talk about it. Look how long they've been together. They've been together long. No, but you were saying that if a woman stays, she's stupid then. Mm. So if she stayed with him after he cheated, would she not be stupid? And look what she done. And look what she done. Made more of a fool of herself. Mm -hmm. She might as well so stay there and work it out. Auntie didn't, Auntie didn't say you're stupid. She says the girls are stupid when they get back with the guy and then complain about him cheating. So like you, you oh, make his life a living oh, hell. Yeah, okay. You're, you're, you, you chose yeah. to get back with him, and well, maybe, she, yeah, maybe she couldn't forgive him. Yeah, maybe she couldn't forgive him. Couldn't let go. Yeah, oh. so she had to leave. Maybe she just thinking about the money she would get if she divorced him, that she could start again. I, I think that. But she should have gone and find another billionaire to match her money. Then I, I, I do think he was wrong though, because I do, I do believe that if a woman was there from the start then you owe her that level of loyalty for helping you get to the position that you got to. I only believe that if he remarries or finds a new woman, then he'd just do the fuck you like because she's buying into a lifestyle that she can never have. You know, she's got I lucky. Know. I want to know if she gets divorced, she got to get the teacher off. Nah, of course not. Mm. She would be smart to do prenup. Just checking. Yeah, she would. I hope she did a prenup. No, she is smart enough to not... Why, why do you hope she did a prenup? So it's, it's nice for her to take that, but it's not nice for someone to do it to her. Yeah, because it was the, 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 beginning. the teacher didn't help her from the beginning, did he? Exactly, it's just... So she yeah, 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 but then she, yeah, she, she didn't get that money from the beginning. Yeah, she helped her husband in the first yeah, But that's first what she marriage. got, what she got. But she didn't, like... She didn't make the money. She took care of the family, she did help her. Yeah, mom. but is but, that... Come on, half his fortune. You're telling me yeah. if if it was her, she could have built Amazon by herself. No, he she, she didn't do that. But you know, no, the but thing they, is, that right? was their partnership, right? Yeah. That was what they worked together. It's That's like what? it's like men when they used to pay off the mortgage. When women then divorced, they were entitled to I, half only because they couldn't earn and they were. Exactly. The I held it down I, for I, you to be able to build that fortune. Yeah. You know the thing so is, why right? are you entitled that, to his money? Like that's so much. Because, like I'm just thinking from the man's point of view. Like if I'm building this business right and i and i have a boy like i have a boyfriend or a husband right why why would he leave and get half if i built it so why do women feel entitled because with them yeah say say they've got children she, he obviously had to work like tirelessly to build amazon right she was probably i don't know i don't know the situation i don't know the story but let's just say she was at home she held down the, the home for him to be able to to build that, I definitely it's deserve not, that. It's not it's not worth half of Amazon. You know, it's millions it's, of dollars. You have to raise two kids. Oh come on! I, know something. I, I grew up. I grew up with nannies. I grew up with nannies. That shit's like twelve dollars an hour. Stop it. Stop yeah, exactly. It. Exactly. You grew up with nannies, but not. She. I don't know if they had nannies or whatever, but no. I mean, a woman staying at home to take care of kids is hard work. That's why you had nannies. Billions Otherwise, of dollars. Billions it's, it's of dollars. Do you know it's the thing is right? Is that. She got half his money, but the I would like to see what he does with his half because Amazon's still going to stay there. I bet he still makes more money than she does with hers. 
And but sooner or later, she's got no money, and he's still building on his. She wants to give her money away. That'd be cool. Then she should have taken it in the first place. Why? Why should she take it? Why take it in the first place? You're not gonna want it. No, that's different. I I can take money from you and then give it to whoever I want to give it and spend however I want to spend it. But I'm not gonna decline the money because I'm gonna give it away. I'd like to see her give it away. I don't think she should have. I'd like to see her give it away. Can I say? I think just Jeff Bezos doesn't give a fuck. How about that? Because. Simply because that's his ex-wife, and she got half the money, but he's got his money, and he knows he's gonna make more. That's, 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 that's not right to say. He don't give a fuck because he's Jeff Bezos. Oh, the average man yeah, has to give a fuck because that, that's his livelihood done. I get you, but, but this is in context of the situation. I don't think Jeff Bezos. He doesn't care because at the end of the day, maybe she's then, okay. What, what, what about this? What about this? Would you rather you lose your money? Yeah. But, and you don't have to deal with that woman that's weighing you down for the rest of your life and you can make some more money and be happy and but content. I, I, I agree with you. He's so rich, he probably... I, I doubt he cares. Yeah, He's he so rich. Care. But but the point is, like, why why do as women we feel entitled to a man's money but, because you helped raise the kids? No, but that's a law like, in the States, right? This doesn't apply, like, in most other countries. Okay, but we're not... We're, we're in the UK. Yeah, even in the UK, women don't naturally... That's not... That's not... Like, I'm going to say... That's not true. Um, even... I, I don't necessarily necessarily know what it is for divorce but from i've heard a lot of like i get dms from people constantly and i've gotten horror stories from men in the uk and i i do street interviews horror stories of child support so it's it's no different and you're in the west we're not talking about global hmm have to be honest with yourself about why are you still here why are you holding on what's really driving you you don't feel like starting the process over with somebody else so even though you're not feeling it with him you're wasting your time the best-selling author and host the number one health and wellness podcast on purpose with jay shetty what are the signs that someone deeply loves you because i okay, feel like so we live in this world where we're... all right thank you guys so you all see that so Basically, um, Jeff Bezos' wife, um, after she divorced him, she divorced her net. Well, she married another guy and then divorced him. Um, so the the number one interesting thing about this is that I really, really liked um some of the things that his ex wife did. Um, what she did was she donated a lot, basically all of the money. Let let me um pull this up online. So, um, Jeff Bezos' wife, she ended up, after she divorced him, she donated $17 billion of her money to charity. And her, she, her name is Mackenzie. Um, so she actually got $36.6 billion. Um, but she gave half of all of that to charity. And so I would say that her... Her, her stance on this 
um her stance on this is really interesting because she was you know like is she's basically showing it's not really about the money right <laughs> she doesn't you know like she got all of this money but she gave half of it away to charity you know like um that's a that's a statement that she's making with that you know, um, people give their money and they put money in places that they feel is important. She gave half of that money to charity. I forget which organization that it was, but um, uh, it was, I'm trying to think of the name because I had looked this up a long time ago. I thought it was just so interesting that she would give all of that money to charity. Her heart, that, that's just, you know, such a, you know, good heart to do something like that. Um, but when it, just think about the entitlement, you know, she could have, you know, she could have kept the money, you know, she probably really did love him. And, you know, when you get right into a relationship with someone and then you marry them after you just recently went through a divorce. That's something that's really hard. So how do people um, sort of bounce back from relationships um, or relationship marriages when they are at a vulnerable state? You know, it's like when you go through a divorce, you already vulnerable. And then now you're in another relationship and now she marries another person. And so that's vulnerability there. Um, so some people, I believe they they um have vulnerability dating that's what i would call it i don't know if anybody else call it that but i would call it vulnerability dating where now you're leaving one situation and you're trying to seek that validation and that accommodation elsewhere and so that's a part of like feeling entitled like you know like that person couldn't meet my standards and this is what i was talking about the other day about how so many of us will feel like we want you to meet these expectations and so if you can't meet these expectations what happens is it's like okay well you disappointed me well i trusted you and you failed me and so this is what i was saying the other day about just having expectations they're going to lead you to disappointment because God doesn't even, God don't even want you to depend on your own understanding. What makes you think that God wants you to trust anyone else? It says in the Bible, do not put your trust in mere humans who have but a breath. Why hold them in esteem? So that's what the Bible says. So God doesn't want us to put our trust in people. We should be putting our trust in him. If he doesn't want us to, you know, um, depend on our own understanding that means that our own level of understanding things it can fail you so why why do things that will fail you you know it, it is not like complete failure because failure eventually will equate to success but that's not the case when you're dealing with people right when when you fail them they hold grudges when you fail them they get upset when you fail them they are angry when you fail them they grow unforgiving towards you when you fail them they go out and cheat on you when they when you fail them they lie on you when they when you fail people they gossip that's what happens right 
failure doesn't always equate to success when you're dealing with people but failure when you're dealing with god what happens is god allows you the ability to be able to sustain because guess what now we're putting our trust in god so our failures will equate to success god's saying look don't put your do not lean on your own understanding God said, don't, don't trust, don't even trust your own level of understanding things, let alone trust somebody else. Cause you can expect failure. You can expect that you're going to need God in that situation. You can expect all of these different things. When someone fails you, just expect God. When, when someone fails you, you can't be expecting them to do something. Don't know. Expect God to work the situation out. Expect God to help that person change. Expect God to do it. It's not within your means, but it's in God's means. God is the only one that has the ability to be able to impact people in a way where they can change. God sends out a seed and, and, and sends people to, to, to plant seeds and to water them while God is the one who grows it. You don't have the ability to grow anything in someone's heart. You can plant a seed and you can water a seed. So let's look at that scripture. Let's, let's go there. Okay, here we go. So, um, So if you can turn to your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, it says, I have planted Apollo's water, but God gave the increase. That's the King James Bible. It says, and um, the NIV version says, I planted the seed, Apollo's watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who planted nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose for we are co-workers in God's service you are God's field God's building so you see what this means is that God is the one who grows everything in people we don't change people our influence yes our influence is planting seeds okay our influence is watering seeds in people life right so planting and watering you have to think of it like a plant you 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 plant the seed in the soil you water it and then god grows it so guess what you are the soil you are the soul that is being planted with seeds and you are the one who is being watered. So understand that God is the one who grows things. So people sometimes they stay in marriages, unfortunately, when there is a abuse and abuse. Okay, 
And if your unbelieving spouse chooses to leave. Now I'm going to say this again. And I'm going to give, I'm going to attach some scriptures to this. Okay. To make it easier for the people that really, really did not understand this point. So let me go here and say, it says here, um, Okay, here we go. So we're going to go to, let's go to Ephesians. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And then we're going to go to, let's see. Okay, we're going to go to 16. And so I'll explain this why. I'm, I'm Lord Jesus, I'm talking so fast. Let me slow down a little bit. This is when God is telling me to slow down because I ask God to make sure that I speak at a pace and rhythm that is efficient for everybody. Okay. I am from Chicago. So in Chicago, we talk really, really fast. Okay. So I know I need to slow down a little bit. Sometimes I talk too fast and I don't want to talk that fast. So God is helping me. All right. So the main reason people divorce is because of differences. And, you know, like they are, um, that's like the main, the main reason for divorce in the United States is infidelity. So let's look at that. Um, so it's a few things I'm going to pull up. It's infidelity and lack of finances, okay? So, um, the divorce statistics here. Um, it's a couple of them. But I'm going to read this after. I'm going to look at this after I read. Um, after I read these scriptures, okay? So, I have everything pulled up for everybody. Okay, so. The only way you can divorce a person is if you are being abused. Like abuse. Okay, like real abuse. Okay. Um, or if your unbelieving spouse chooses to leave. Okay. And what I mean by unbelieving, they, they do not believe in God. Okay. Oh, I meant to pull up another verse because this is what God wanted me to pull up. Okay. See how the Holy Spirit works? You see how I pray? And then there you have it. God is just right on it. Don't forget nothing. Don't forget nothing. Hold on one second. I have it here. So this one is actually, okay, there we go. Pull it. I really want to pull up Bible Gateway. That's the one I like using or Bible Hub. So I'm pull up Bible Gateway. All right, here we go. Okay, so let's look at this verse. It's, it's um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. It says, Husbands, 
Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So understand what the church is. Okay, I want to explain it. So the church is the body of Christ. So the body of Christ can be geographically situated at any position on this planet. So any person can be anywhere and still be a part of the body of Christ. Not just any type of person. That would be the people that believe in God, that have acknowledged that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them, that he resurrected, and they believe that he did it for you. And then you will receive salvation. Okay. So you believe in Jesus Christ. You know that he resurrected and he ascended into heaven. You believe all of these things. So you are a believer. That is that equates to a believer. So Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So we are the bride. Right. Many people, they try to, they really don't understand what this means. But if there's another Bible verse about the church being the bride okay um i'm not gonna get into like the deep roots or the etymology of the the actual word itself but i want to let you all know that christ died for us us believers it doesn't matter if you are jew or gentile slave or free it doesn't matter who you are if you believe that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross, was crucified and resurrected, you will be saved. You ask God to repent for your sins, God will give you salvation, okay? And so, that's guaranteed. So, when, when he gave his life up for us, this, oh, this is so amazing because guess what the other day? I was sitting there laying in the bed. I'm sitting here having a conversation with God, about to go to sleep. And so God was telling me exactly what he did on the cross. Okay, so that's what I meant to pull up. Let me pull that up right now. Okay. Um, uh, okay, here we go. Okay, this is going to be Matthew 27. Let's see. Huh. This is so amazing how God works, y'all. When I tell you how God works, God works amazing, okay? God is amazing. So, I'm trying to figure out which, which God, which verse am I about to read? Okay, so let me go. Let me, okay, so I'm only on verse. I am only on Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what this means is God gave himself up for us. So let's go to Matthew. Matthew 27. And we're going to start at verse 32. It talks about the crucifixion and the death of Jesus. Okay, um, all right, so let's look here. Let's, okay, yes, I'm gonna start at the crucifixion because this is so important to understand. So it says, Matthew 27, verse uh, 32. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon and they forced him to carry the cross. 
they came to a place called Golgotha, Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. This is how they were talking to Jesus. But what they didn't know is that the temple was his body. He was going to resurrect in three days. He is the body. <laughs> this is, they're thinking that he's talking about the temple, that, that, that he's going to rebuild the temple. Yes, he, he died and resurrected in three days. So you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. This is what they say to him. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. They was mocking him too. In the same, uh, it says uh, in verse 42, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him for, for he said, I am the son of God. So this is what's really interesting is that first of all, you never tempt God. Cause remember when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he said, you do not tempt the Lord thy God. So that these, these priests, religious Pharisees are literally tempting God by saying, Hey, you know, he says that he the son of God. Why, you know, God to come save him then. So referencing that back to what Jesus was saying, right? So it says here in the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So the, 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 the man that was sitting there next to him on the cross too, he told him to save himself too. So I want to tell you all what, what God told me the other day about this scripture. I meant to start right out with this scripture. Um, Cause this was on Tuesday. I was going to actually talk about, I was supposed to talk about this right away. I just forget. Um, so in verse 45, it says from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came all over the land. So about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabathani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay. So right here, this is what God told me, all right, in this scripture right here, because I was thinking that I had been thinking about it, and I asked God, anytime I have a question, let me tell you, I asked God, I am not going to be unsure about anything. I'm going to ask God, and God is going to tell me. When I want to know something in this Bible, God, I say, God, tell me. When I want to know something about people, I say, God, show me. Okay? 
It is not, you don't, all you need is the Holy Spirit. So people can't deceive you, even if they try. So let me, let me explain this. So this is what God said to me about this scripture in, in Matthew 27, verse 45 and 46. God said that while he was being beaten, he had to learn how he he learned how to forgive him right then. Learning forgiveness can happen immediately when you have a real understanding of what's going on in your life. See, at that moment, Jesus was he had thorns put in his head. That the thorns was sticking his brain. Like in his head. On his skin. Like blood. Like they was beating him. Spitting on him. Kicking him. But he said. This is what God said that he said. He At, at that moment he was feeling. They don't know what they doing. They don't know what they're doing because they are blinded by Satan. They are Satan's children. They are so far gone into their belief system that they can't see the truth even if it was right there in front of them. They are very, very far gone from the truth. To the point where they're, they're beating and about to crucify God that manifested into the flesh. You see, God, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. It talks about how he was made low, uh, made low like may lord than the angel so if you go to let's go to this verse we're gonna go to this verse uh we're gonna go to hebrews oh, oh this is the wrong one i didn't want to click on that i like to look at bible gateway so you go to hebrews chapter two is it isn't it yes hebrews chapter two verses seven it says um i'm not gonna look at the king james version i want to look at I'm going to look at the NIV version. So it says here. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 5. It is not two angels. It is not two angels that he has subjected the world to come. About which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A, the, a son of man that you care for him. Let me look at the King James uh, Bible. Let me look at the King James again. That, that's verse 5. We're going to start from verse 5. For unto the angels had he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testifies, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visited him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hand. 
thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet for in the in that he put all in subjection under him he left nothing that is not put under him but now we see not yet all things put under him but we see jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of god should taste death for every man so jesus jesus was made a little lower than the angels so god became 100 flesh and god was 100 god the difference is god didn't use any of his his godly powers to defend himself so god became flesh and, and we see this in john 10 30 you go to um John 10 and, and then verse 30, it says what? It says here, I and the Father are one. So when you think about the church, you have to think about marriage. The Father and God is one flesh. It's and if you understand marriage, you will understand. That when a man leaves his father and mother, he is united unto his wife, and the two become one flesh. They are no longer two, but they are one flesh. So it isn't a mystery to understand this. I and the father are one, meaning that the if you go to if you go to see God, it God has repetition in his word. You go to 1 Corinthians. And you go to 1 Corinthians uh, 11 and 3. Here we go. G get a better understanding here. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. So what we see here is that Christ, God is the head of Christ. So we have the Holy Trinity. So the Holy Trinity is the Father, which is God, the Son, which is, is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Those are three entities, three separate persons within the Holy Trinity. And so what this means is you have God, the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. So in order to have access to God, like the Bible says, the, let's go to that scripture. No one can come to the Father. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. That's John 6 44. There's another scripture, um, John 14 and 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is John 14 and 6. You understand? So I hope you all are understanding this because God's word, God provides repetition in his word. It's confirmation all through his word if you read it. And so we see looking here at Ephesians. Ephesians 5 verse 25. I'm going back here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So when we look at 
this verse of Matthew 27 and verse 45, Jesus instantly knew how to give himself up. Because he's he's God, but he's showing you, look, I he he's saying I created you. I can show you that I can be just like you and not use none of my powers. That's how much he loved. So it's like what he's saying here. Why, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I hope you all are putting this into perspective so that when you're reading the Bible, you don't have to question what is really going on. All you got to do is ask God, hey, God, what, what did you mean by that? Because, you know, like, I wanted to know this too. But I guess I really wanted to know about how Jesus was feeling at the cross. And so he said that he had to forgive everybody that was there doing things to him immediately. He had to learn at that moment how to forgive someone during his experience. See, many people, they don't understand what that means, how to forgive someone during the experience or right when something is taking place. So God wants us to understand that, look, these people were doing things to him, torturing him. Verbally abusing him, doing everything for for to them, everything to him. After he didn't just heal the sick, raise the dead. Like I said, he used his godly power to heal the sick and raise the dead. He didn't use his godly power to destroy the earth. He didn't use his godly power to destroy the devil. And some people be like, "Well, why don't God just get rid of the devil?" The same reason why God won't give rid of all the women in the world for your boyfriend. Because you just want him to yourself. Because if he's going to love you, he's going to love you and not be thinking about all the other women in the world. So, yes, even though he faced with temptation. That don't mean that he's going to give in to that temptation. So even though the devil is in the world, when you are God's child, that don't mean that you're going to give in to the devil. So anybody that have a question about why God haven't destroyed the devil yet, understand that when you love God and you choose God, it don't matter what's around because when you equip with the Holy Spirit, the people who wrong you and do wrong to you, you can learn how to forgive them and move on. You know why? Because look at look at God and what is God showing us. He died at the cross for the same people that was beating him, that put thorns on his head, that spit on him, that's talking about him, that's doing all type of stuff to him. But what, 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 what they didn't know is that in three days, he was going to be glorified. But he knew that. 
See, we have the ability uh, ability to know what's going to happen because of the Holy Spirit. The power of God that is within us. It's called discernment. So let me explain this clearly. For all the people in the back of the room that didn't get the memo to the podcast tonight, I want you to hear me. The devil is out here in the world because when you're equipped with the Holy Spirit, you defeat the devil. The devil don't defeat you. When you equip with the Holy Spirit, you defeat those problems. Those problems don't defeat you. When you equip with the Holy Spirit, all of that adversity that you experience, you're going to defeat it. It's not going to defeat you. So please don't ever, 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 not ever, ever, ever again, ever, ever. Say, well, why God don't just get rid of all the evil? Well, God is coming back now. You have to be ready and equipped. So, um, yes. So, you know, like God did give Adam and Eve the entire Garden of Eden. But they chose to eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil instead of from the tree of life where they could eat. And live for eternity. So it was two trees in the garden. But everybody only want to talk about one. Because that's what they chose to eat. So we're. You have to imagine yourself being in the garden. What you going to do? You going to choose from the tree of life. Or choose from the tree of death. We all have free will. We all have choice. It's no excuse. Whatever happens, happens. Trust God. That's it. We don't have to do anything else besides trust in the Lord. So when when we see that Jesus here is saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm taking you back through the process again. We see in Hebrews 2 that Jesus was made a little lower than the angel. So he's 100% God and also 100% man. Okay, we see this in John 10, 30. I am, I and the Father are one. So Jesus is one with the Father, God, which is the first person in the Holy Trinity. Jesus Christ is the second person, in the, which is the Son in the Holy Trinity. So we see in 1 Corinthians 11 and 3 that I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man and the head of Christ is God. So God is the head of Christ. We are the church, the body. We are his bride. And I can explain that another day. It's too much. It's a lot of explaining with understanding that. I've already explained the church being the bride of God, okay, um, on a different podcast. So you look at John 14 and 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in order to get to the Father, you have to come through the Son. And usually if, you, if you're if going to Jesus, you're going to be equipped with the Holy Spirit. 
This is why it's so important for us not to judge people. This is why I don't like judging people. I don't. I do not. Not at all. When I see things, I pray about them. But, you know, sometimes it's like I get to a point where I'm like, you know, it's really said that that person is going to be that person is going to be like that. It's sad. It's sad to have to see it. It's so sad. You know, like, what can you do? The only thing we can do, who who grows the seeds? God. Who 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 grows the water seed? God. So guess what? This world is filled with influences that are planting seeds in your heart, that are watering seeds in your life, enticing you, influencing you to say, okay, should I do this? Should I, should I buy this? Should I not? Should I, you know, like you have influences all around you and all of these things sort of allows people to think that they're entitled to so much. When what God is saying to us, this is what God is saying. He's saying in 1 Corinthians 11 and 3 that, so we see that, that God is ahead of Christ and the church is his body. So we are the body of Christ. So we're going to go right back. Let's go back to, um, let's go back to Ephesians. So in Ephesians chapter five, as I was talking about the way that you can own, um, the only way you can divorce is through abuse. Or if your unbelieving spouse chooses to leave. So going back to this, now that we understand the crucifixion and the death of Jesus, because guess what? He he died on the cross for the same people that was beating him. He had to instantly learn how he forgave them right then and at that moment. And so this is why he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he's saying that he forgave them without utilizing his godly power forgiveness forgiveness he had to learn forgiveness as a human being at that moment he had to learn forgiveness at the at the cross And God was not there at that moment. He learned forgiveness as a human being without godly power. I hope everybody understanding this and getting it. You realize that Jesus is 100% God. And 100% man. He's learning forgiveness at the cross without God being right there. And he still went through with it. He still went through with it at the cross. That's what God told me. He said, I forgave at the cross. I forgave on the way to the cross. I forgave with the thorns in my head. I forgave when I was spit on. I was forgave when I was beat. I was, I, I forgave when I was stumped. This is what he's saying. God saying he forgave while he was being beat and walking to the cross. To be crucified, walking to be crucified. 
with his cross. That's what I meant to say. He walking to get crucified with his cross, carrying his heavy cross. And he did it, guess what? With his human power. So when people are sitting up there and they doing this and that, like, yes, we all human. But somebody just said to me the other day, this, this lady, she said, she says, you don't know. Um, she says she can't be like God. See, because she don't forget that easy. And so that's the thing. It's like, you only could be two. You either good or bad. That's it. It's like you can straddle the fence and you have people doing that all the time. This is why God said, don't judge people. God said, quit judging people. Don't judge them. Quit judging them. And sometimes I do find myself judging people and I feel convicted after that. Like in my heart, I feel bad for judging somebody. I'll be like, oh God, I ain't mean to look at them like that, but I just really couldn't not help it. And so God... He explained to me why I can't help it. Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit been there since the beginning. See, in the Bible, it says in Genesis, it's, I think it's Genesis uh, 126 or Genesis chapter, uh, yeah, it's in Genesis 226 or something like that. It says that let us make man in our image. See, us is referring to the Holy Trinity. Us. Go to your Bible. Go to Genesis. It said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. When you look up the word us, that's the Holy Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There, God, that means Jesus was there from the beginning. They were there from the beginning. The Holy Spirit was there from the beginning. See, the Holy Spirit was already in heaven. That's why the, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven onto earth. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit down. So we have access to the Holy Spirit. We didn't have access to the Holy Spirit at first. So Jesus had to die in order for us to have access to the Holy Spirit. Because we were naturally just like, oh, we had free will. That we had the, the, the option to choose. God been giving us choices from the beginning. Which is why we're supposed to choose the right thing to do. God put the tree of, the, of life in the garden. And he put the tree of knowledge and good and evil. You've been having choices your whole life. Your choices are shaping your belief system. Your choices are shaping the way God grows the seeds in your heart. Your choices are shaping the way God is watering the seeds in your life. Your choices are doing this. So what we have to understand is that, see, God wants us to 
to know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of us. So whatever it is that we ask God for, he's always working for our good. So that's what it's saying here. So let's look at this scripture now and see if you have a different perspective about Ephesians 5 and 25. So we know that Jesus Christ died for everybody, including the people that falsely accused him, including the people that hated him. He forgave them at the cross without God help. He forgave them with his human flesh. He experienced all of that in the flesh without his godly power. So that means that the same thing that he did is the same thing that we could do because he had to do it to show us we can do it. That means that we have it within our capacity to be like God. That's what he said. He want us to be like him. So let's look at this scripture again. Ephesians 5 and 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So how do you look at this scripture now? Put some comments. You anybody got any comment? Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you now, when I look at this scripture, I know how I'm perceiving it. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The church is us believers. He died for the same people, to, all of these people, so he could resurrect and now they could believe. Could you imagine all of the people who were saying, Let, let's go look at this scripture again now. I, I just really got to look at it again. Okay. We're going to look at Matthew 27 and verse 40. No, verse 39. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. And saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. So whoever, whoever's saying this, could you imagine them saying Jesus resurrect? Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. Well, he's not going to have to come down from the cross. He's going to resurrect. Could you imagine what this person was seeing after they seen Jesus? After they said this in verse 41, in the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. Could you imagine the one who said that? 
But what we do know about the religious Pharisees is that they, they tried to still kill some of God's disciples. They wanted him to that they wanted them to stop spreading the word about Jesus' resurrection. So they even seen Jesus resurrect and they still still wanted to do evil. It was like their body was possessed. They were under a possession of their belief systems. Because that's what God is showing me. God has shown me that people are under a possession of beliefs. So guess what? He trusts in God. Let God rescue him if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. That's verse 43. Even the rebels who were next to jesus they heaped insults so could you imagine and, and the read i'm saying this because like i don't want to do eisegesis and, and read any further into that i just want you all to see that when he died on that cross that gave everyone the ability to believe in him once he resurrected They had firsthand experience of seeing the death of Jesus and seeing the resurrection of Jesus. So when we read this verse, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If a husband don't love his wife the way Christ loved the church, What does that tell you? A man is not supposed to abuse his wife. A wife is not nowhere near even is supposed to be anything out of her way of submission. Unless she is an Eve that is not going to be uh, a part in the kingdom of God. She just flat out a uh, Eve and she don't want no, she don't have beliefs in the Bible. I wouldn't care how much a woman say she believe in God if she doesn't know what submission is. She doesn't believe in what the Bible says. So husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her. See, Jesus died so that the people that had just did all that stuff to him, he knew that he was going to be resurrected. He just really wanted God, his godly power, God, to be there with him. But he didn't use his godly power. That's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had to learn all that forgiveness right then. Because he, he, he ain't used his power, so we're not going to talk about what didn't happen. We know he didn't use his power. So, look, look here. So, it says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. 
so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. So the church is who? We are the church. We are the body of Christ. So what does this mean? He wanted, he died so that he might sanctify us, cleanse us and wash us with the word of God. So as long as we got the word of God, we have everything that we need to sustain in this world. It doesn't matter if you don't have nothing. If everything gets taken away from you, you have God's word. So, so he did this to present the church to himself in splendor without a spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. So what this is saying is, husbands, you love your wives the way God loved the church. You want her to be holy. You want her to be, be, be mature. So you're going to treat her in a way where she can be holy, in a way where she can be mature. So in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. You see that? You see how Jesus Christ gave up his body for the church? Us. This says in verse 28, in the same way, husbands should, should love their wives as their own bodies. So I never seen a man go in the corner and be himself with a bat. I never seen a man go in the corner and just beat and black all of his ass up. You ever seen somebody bust their own lip on purpose a bunch of times? I never seen nothing like that. Now, somebody is doing that. I'm not going to dispute that people in the world don't do it. But I'm sure that they, they will need some mental health care services. So what this is saying here is that exactly what it says. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. So you're not going to beat yourself up. You're not going to starve yourself unless you're going through a mental health crisis. And anyone that is going through a mental health crisis, please seek the help of your nearest physician or the nearest emergency room or call 911 emergency services. So this says, so in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. You lovingly care for your body. When you want some water, you're going to drink some water. You know, like you're not going to go without water to the point where you about to die. You're going to take care of yourself. You take care of your body. In the same way, you got to take care of your wife. You take care of her. 
You treat your wife as your own body. And it says here, he who loves his wife loves himself. So this, this scripture is very important. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. Because if a man is going in the corner beating himself up, he don't love himself. And he's suffering from mental health concerns. And anyone that is suffering from mental health concerns where they are trying to harm themselves or anyone else, please once again call 911 emergency services or seek the nearest emergency room for help but for the purposes of this scripture i want to let you all know that the bible is saying here that no man who loves him his wife is going to harm his wife so in verse 29 for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. You see that verse 29 clearly says you don't hate your flesh. You nourish it and you cherish it. So therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Anytime God talks about marriage, he talks about the church in Christ. He always talks about the, the Christ and church, the body. Because once you understand the crucifixion and the death of Jesus and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. You can understand what it means to be married because that is a union. So although God is not our physical like husband, he is, he is, he is the head of us. We are his body. It's, he's saying that it's the same as when a man leaves his father and mother and is united unto his wife. He died for us so that we can be united with him again. United into his body. We are all part of the body of Christ who belongs to the body of Christ. So that's, that's it. So if a man, a husband, and I'm going to say this, I, I'm not even going to speak about the woman because women that abuses a man is so far away from understanding God that that is going to, that, that needs to be a whole separate podcast. But for the purposes of women's health, I want you all to know and understand that God wants us, if he doesn't want the husband to do it, he definitely does not want the helpmate to do it either. The person that helps the husband. So if any woman is out here 
saying anything that is against the word of God. I don't care how much she says she believes in God. The word of God says that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is man. If, uh, if uh, the man don't know that, he needs to read the Bible and understand it as God. God, show me what this means. If the woman or the wife does not know this, she needs to read the word of God and understand what it means. And, and, and if she doesn't, as God, show me and let me understand what this means. Because see, in the last days, people are without excuse, as in Romans 1 and 20 says. For God's invisible qualities has been visibly seen for all. So people are without excuse. So there's no reason for you not to know. And I believe that women that really stay in those type of relationships and those marriages really, really cause that person who is the abuser, the, the, the person who's, who's doing the abusing, I believe that they're making their lives even worse. Because you're allowing them to reach a level of desensitivity that now they're desensitized. They don't even know how to be anymore. So women should not stay in those type of marriages. This is what the word of God says. So this is the only way, one of the main ways that a person can divorce their spouse. All right. So, so making sure that there's no confusion around that issue. Okay. Um, so I wanted to go now to first Corinthians seven, um, in verse 14 through 16. So this says for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband else were your children unclean but now are they holy but if the unbelieving depart let him depart you understand so a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases but god had called us to peace that's what it says so like unbelieving people are sanctified by their believing spouses. A unbelieving person that departs from a believer, let them depart. God had called us to live in peace. So now when you hear people say, oh, you're not supposed to get a divorce. You can't divorce. Look, if somebody is beating you, you need safety. So like when I went through this, like I went through abuse. And I didn't have anybody at church tell me this. I didn't have any pastors tell me this. All they told me when, when I went through premarital counseling was that me and my husband is unequally yoked. You're unequally yoked. They said it in both. Unequally yoked. 
But I knew this scripture because it says that the believing, the believing wife will sanctify the, for the unbelieving husband. So the problem is, is that, see, God is telling me that I need to just speak his word and it doesn't matter about what nobody thinks. So if you are in a situation, I want to make sure that I provide this information to, um, to every woman that's in the um, national, uh, I'm going to give you the national domestic domestic violence hotline. Okay. And I'm also going to post this on the blog so that you, so that everyone can have um, basically like domestic violence prevention and services. So if you are without internet, you can call um, 1-800-799-SAFE. Or that number is 1-800-799-7233. And then you can get some digital security um, so that you can use your, your browser and your internet. So that's in case you're, you're being stalked by your, with your IP address, okay? So the, on this website, which is the National Domestic Violence Hotline, you can also call and get help um, by calling that number too. So you call the 1-800-799-7233 or you can chat live with them. You can also text the word START to 88788 and then you should be able to get some help. You can get 24-7 help. Um, they have an anonymous survivor um, quote that says, I credit the hotline with saving my life from an abuser, giving me the facts I needed in an emergency to equip myself to get out so i want you all to know that even though you're in a marriage or you're in a relationship you do not have to endure domestic violence that's why this podcast is specifically for women women's health and so it's important for you to understand what the bible says and also what god wants for your life and we see here in um first corinthians that God wants you to live in peace. If you're with an unbeliever who does not believe in God and that part that person does not want to work things out with you, you can let them go. You don't you can live in peace. God wants you to live in peace as it says in 1 Corinthians 7, 14 through 16. And so if you go to Ephesians, we see that God does not want you to be abused. So once again, you can call 1-800-799-SAFE. That is 1-800-799-7233. And so you do not have to feel bad about divorcing someone who is an abuser, who is physically harming you, okay? Um, and so that's, that's that. <sighs> so I'm going to post this information onto the blog after the um, podcast tonight. But if you all have any questions or if you would like to get prayer for either yourself or anyone that you know for domestic abuse or domestic violence abuse, please go ahead and send me an email. You can request your prayer at lawslifehelp at suddenchangescorporation.org. So women, you do not have to put up with abuse. And um, men, respect your wives as you do your own bodies okay no one hates on their own flesh 
And if you need some help, then there is a mental health crisis line. There is a mental health crisis line that you all can call. Um, that is the 988. So you can um you can text the line. Um, hold on one second. That's because I used to work, I actually used to work here. So you text the number, um, you call or text 988 or check 988lifeline.org if you feel that you are um going to hurt yourself or someone else, okay? And then you can get in touch with a, a crisis clinician and they will be able to help you. Or you can also reach the crisis text line, which is MHA to 741-741, okay? All right. So now I would like to sort of um shift focus for a bit, right? I want to deviate a little bit, but not too much. I'm going to stay on topic with mental health, right? Um, but this is more so like a broadened topic of mental of, of health itself. So the main issue here is. Do people have, and I only have about 20 minutes left, so I, hopefully I have enough time. I didn't really mean to go over that much in time, but um, it's important when the Holy Spirit get the moving and, and, and you know, guiding me, it's like, okay, now I got to pull up this scripture and that scripture. But um, I want to stay on topic of health, right? So when we think about health, like national health and international health care, this is health care because mental health is covered by what your health care insurance right so when we think about health care um expenses and health care insurance is health care a right or is it a privilege so before anybody answer that don't everybody answer at once okay i know it's interesting to know do you think you have a right to receive health care services or is that a, just a privilege that you just been holding on for too long so let's see so there is um this man his name is nathaniel um brendan he's a libertarian so i i am a conservative libertarian all right and so um what that means is that i really really do believe in the free market i support the conservative uh, republican views on certain aspects while also supporting the democrats um on certain economic beliefs i would say so i'm kind of in between but um really really i'm more like a person of it's not about who's right it's about what's right so when I vote for somebody, it isn't really, it isn't always because of my spiritual beliefs at all. It's really about the way that that person treats people and their goal objectives for the masses of people. So what that means is that I believe that people can still be intrinsically good internally. And um, they can still be influenced by God. See, God is the ultimate judge, okay? God is the one who is the dictate. God is going to judge everybody. It's not me. It's not you. So when people can still do good, I believe 
based off of what I've read in the Bible and God and my relationship with God, I believe that when people can still do good, that they have God in them. So what I mean by that is some people do good, but do they good? Like, cause the Bible says that even, even evil people know how to give good gifts to their children. So what good is that? So it isn't about how good we can be with the people that we love and care about. It's about how good can you be to people that you don't care about. Okay, so when I select a politician, it's usually going to be based upon them and how they really, really, how much they really feel about the trajectory of certain things economically uh, and also in within the realm of business. Okay, and so um, he, Nathaniel Brendan, Brendan, um, he is a libertarian. So that that's a big difference. So a libertarian is somebody who really supports more of like um the independent and also the democratic beliefs, not so much of the Republican or conservatives. I would say that with me being a conservative libertarian, I am not biased because I can care less if you're just Republican. I'm not just gonna vote for you because you're Republican. I'm not just going to vote for you because you're Democrat, because a Republican and a Democrat can both, you know, create some mediocre type of uh, bills. That is not looking out in the best interest of the of, of the people or of benefiting the people of this country. And so when you think about health care. Should health care be a right for you to receive the health care or should is health care a privilege that you've been overusing. And so when we think about women's health and mental health, you have to think about what if your health care was eradicated? And if you're receiving health care, are you abusing it? Or should it just be given to you? So I wanted to look at a different perspective than my own. Even though it's a similar perspective because he's a libertarian, but he, he doesn't support the conservative belief. So um, that's why I believe that it's somewhat similar, but not all the way. So I'm going to chime in to this video. His name is Nathaniel Brendan. Um, it's called the Entitlement Mentality. Okay. Basically, what he does is he explains the contradiction between natural rights and entitlement mentality. And we can see this on his website too. But for now, let's just play this video. It's a short video. It's about five minutes long. And so this is um actually it's excerpts, uh, meaning that it was taken out of. Um, it was taken out of a book, his book, called The Entitlement Mentality. So it's it's from uh, the 2000, uh, every time it, it keeps going so fast. Nathan, it's from the 2000 Nathaniel Brendan on self-esteem 
and libertarianism. The Jim Turner Collection. Unfortunately, there's a terrific amount of, of mileage to be derived from pandering to people's fear of self-responsibility. <clears throat> and politicians pander to it all the time, as we know. Uh, the welfare programs, without exception, began as strategies that were intended to remove dependency. <laughs> in the initial formulations and in the initial statements of the Great Society or the other pro programs of those times and since, the theme was very strong to eliminate dependency. Now, we know that no such result was achieved. We know that not only did the programs not eliminate dependency, but that the dependency problem is much, much worse than it was 40 years ago. The government really runs a very interesting kind of protection racket, which is first they break your legs and then they charge you for medical services. <laughs> And they say, look, these people can't walk. They need our help. <laughs> and many of the programs of the last several decades have been profoundly corrosive of people's self-esteem and self-respect. And we have created a nation with increasing numbers of people who have a dependency orientation and increasing numbers of people who really do think they are entitled to just about anything they think they need, they feel a sense of entitlement toward. And that is a, a really a profoundly corrupting idea. And in fighting for um, libertarianism, we have to be absolutely clear that this is one of the most important battlegrounds. I remember being at a dinner party a month or two ago, and I was with a, a group of... Uh, people that I didn't know, but I think were Democrats, quite nice people and interested people, people curious about libertarianism. And they asked me about the whole issue of health care. And what I thought about the number of people who were uninsured. And how would libertarians address that problem? And I said, well, before we get into discussing how I would see or how my fellow libertarians might see issues of that kind being addressed in a free society. Let's go to a deeper level. Is it your conviction that healthcare is a natural right? And they looked nonplussed because they were kind of intelligent, decent people and they didn't quite feel comfortable saying yes. I know lots of I know I know lots of other people who would righteously say yes, but I don't hang out with those so much, you see. And so I said, and they said, well, an, a right. I said, here is something that libertarianism stands for. You can't have a natural right, meaning an unearned right, to something that has, somebody else has to produce. I said, now, however. Healthcare is, after all, a, a service, a product that somebody has to bring into existence. Uh, 
And in our view, you can't you can't have a a right to that just from the fact that you're born. Because look at the position that it puts for the people for whom you are to collect this right. They become your serfs. And I don't think any of you at this table, I said with my usual diplomacy, want to stand up for such a viewpoint. So Nathaniel Brendan's six pillars of self-esteem, he also talks about the art of living consciously and different stuff here. Um, this is more so from a libertarian perspective, but I would say that it's so important for us to just really, in order for us to like fully understand and define what um, a conservative libertarian is, I have a few minutes here. I wanted to talk about um, just some of the beliefs of conservatives. Um, so let me pull this up. Conservatives and also what the beliefs are for um, a, li a liberal, right? And so here we go. Oops. Okay. So a conservative is um, a philosophy that is constituting to a political party professing the principles of conservatism. Um, basically attending or disposed to maintain existing views, conditions, or institutions. Um, they are marked by moderation or caution. Uh, they are also marked by or relating to traditional norms, tastes, elegance, styles, or manners. So um, they are advocating for uh, members and supporters of the conservative political party. Um, usually they maintain like these traditional methods and views. And they usually do it very um, as a cautious or discreet person. So let's look here. I wanted to look. Uh, oops, I didn't. How did I get there? Just give me one second. Okay, here we go. So a conservative, which is a Republican, they are most likely what they're going to be doing is they're they are going to have like these traditional type of views um so i can put like some of the seven principles of conservatism um this is this was published by uh mike johnson he's a congressman um he basically tried to draft a summary for at the republican study committee um it talks that they talk about individual freedom they really support the free speech uh, of rights to life, uh, liberty, also free exercise of religion, and also the ability to have pr pursue happiness on your own, build wealth, and defend yourself and family. That's individual freedom. They um, believe in having little government, like limited government interference. They don't like the government interfering with any of their um, their powers or any uh, government encroachment, they, they're not with any of that, okay? They would like to decentralize the government authorities, basically like eliminating many of their regulations and bureaucracies that's associated with them. They also believe in the rule of law. So basically um, to ma maintain order and liberty is basically a civilized society and that's what they support. 
They also believe that peace through strength. So basically a common defense, right? Um, being able to have a military system to defeat your adversaries and stuff like that. So they're like the patriotic type, right? They believe in having fiscal responsibility, meaning that they are going to have um, a, like debt, you know, in crisis that will take place. But so they believe that Congress should maintain like a moral constitution to sort of resolve these type of crises, right? Um, they believe in balancing those those out, not like having it forever. Basically, like having accountability and uh, certain appropriations where funds are misappropriated. And I mean, so far, I, I agree with all of this stuff, okay? Um, when we think about free markets, they believe that they should be able to, you know, have liberty when it comes to their business. They should have freedom to, you know, have um, certain uh, regulations and interventions should be limited by government. So little to no government interference. Um, they believe in human dignity. So, so all men are created equal in the image of God, right? Um, and so they support a lot of public policies and um, they believe in certain virtues for people to get out of poverty. But when we think about this, let's let's go ahead and let's look at some of the um, liberal beliefs. And so I basically I will support all of those things, right? But when you think about a uh, liberal, let's look at these liberal beliefs. Liberals are Democrats, and so they they believe in you know like. Um, liberty they they also believe in liberty they also believe that there is negative liberty meaning that some people are not free they believe that there is a negative conception surrounding liberty so with certain political parties specifically the republican party or conservative parties so they believe that there are negative liberties and also positive um and we do see that this is also true in society right that people don't have these type of freedoms um we also you know we see that republican liberty is more so free than the um than some other liberties because of the traditions that it, it holds but you have these classical liberals that really believe in um freedoms to certain things so like they have the new liberalism which is like a revisionist or um you have this well welfare state of mind where people are just so dependent on existing programs where these programs are not allowing anyone the ability to have their own so yes you can get welfare services yes you can get assistance for housing yes you can get all of these things but what person wants to depend on government forever? So that's that's where I that that's where my discrepancy is. It's like okay, the, the new liberalism. I see that this is a revisionist, right? So you have this welfare type of state, and people they do really want to go and explore things on their own, but government doesn't allow them to because guess what? If they keep if you're if you're staying in poverty, that means that you you can only help people that are in poverty. If they're no longer in poverty, you no longer have a lot of people to help. So that's the problem that I have. I think that, you know, um, there should be a balance, right? Checks and balances maintained, meaning that if you're 
but I'm going to finish this discussion tomorrow. I only have two minutes left. So I just wanted to kind of go over that. And I was going to transition into health overall and, and how we as people play a role in our, our healthcare system and how mental health is being restructured and reshaped in society. And so this is an issue in women's health, okay? So let me go ahead and end on that note. Um, thank you all so much too. And uh, let me go ahead and pray. I only have a couple minutes left though. Father God, thank you so much for giving us your word today. We really do appreciate you. We love you, God. We just ask that you please allow your will to be done in our life, God. And I know that a lot of times there are things that, you know, we we may feel that, you know, God is like, uh, God, we we really, we really do think that what we're doing is right sometimes. But God, you show us in ways, so many ways that you you know there is a different direction that you want us to take so we appreciate you today we love you lord we ask that you please remove every barrier and obstacle out of our path every single thing that is concerning to us or, or worrying people god allow us to be able to depend on you and to be able to do the things that you want us to do god allow all of those things to be removed out of our path every barrier every obstacle every concern every issue remove them out of our path so that we can fulfill your plan will and purpose god P -p pivot us exactly what we need to be so you can orchestrate what needs to be orchestrated in our life so that we can fulfill your plan will and purpose lord so we give you glory praise and honor in the name of jesus christ please let your will be done in the name of jesus christ it is still in your blood amen all right everybody thank you all so much for joining me once again if you need prayer Please go ahead and send that prayer request to Laws Life Health at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. Thank you all once again for joining me. I will see you all tomorrow. You have a good night and stay blessed.